you know, for each of us, I've learned that Christmas begins at a different time. Some event, some activity, some tradition, some moment, it triggers the beginning of the Christmas season. And over the years, I've started collecting a list of when those moments are. I know for some of you, it's the moment that your house lights up, and unlike Clark Griswold, you don't blow out power for the whole neighborhood or knock out a fuse at your house. For others of you, it's when you pluck the Christmas tree and you bring out all those uh, decorations that bring back nostalgia from over the years, and each one of those has a memory. For others of you, it's the moment that you pull Michael Buble out of the plastic wrap where he's been for the last 11 months. I'm really curious what the man does from January until November. Like, what is he doing when he's not singing Christmas songs? And then for others of you, it's, it's when you watch that favorite Christmas movie of yours. That's when it feels like Christmas. Uh, there's others of you, though, that it's not a, an event. It's a, a, a culinary experience. It's something you eat. It's something you drink. Do I have any eggnog fans in the house? Anybody in the house love eggnog? Okay, so I just need you to know that I love all of you, but I don't understand it makes no sense, the, the obsession with eggnog. Like, if it was really good all year long, wouldn't you drink it all year long? Like, why do you only drink it one month out of the year if it's so good? Maybe this is just my trauma from working too many years at Starbucks and smelling burnt eggnog for days on end. But uh, I believe that every holiday has a really unfortunate and not-so-good, you know, culinary piece. You know, for Christmas, it's eggnog. For Halloween, it's candy corn. For Easter, it's peeps, you know, and so you got to have your thing. And if you like those, that's great, you know, and and if I'm wrong on it, that's fine. There's worse things to be wrong on. But I was going to go really hard on you eggnog people because I just don't understand it until last night. I was watching a football game and I was actually texting with Jake, our new worship director, and I found what I think is the worst and most disgusting Christmas treat of all time. I think my screens just went out, um, and so maybe we'll be able to get those back in a second. But I found the worst, the most disgusting Christmas treat. And I went and did some research to make sure that it was real, because sometimes you read things on the internet and they're not true. And so I found these, uh, these candy canes that are sold by a store in Seattle, and they had two flavors. One was a hot dog-flavored candy cane— which I love, like, separately. Like, I love candy canes, and I love a good hot dog in the summer, but together I was, like, bad. And then underneath that product, it's, like, related products or people who bought this also bought this. They also had a sardine flavor. So I know that whatever Christmas spirit I created before now I've ruined, um, so maybe you feel better about liking your eggnog, but, but we all have those moments that help us to feel Christmassy. Now, now for our family, th- I'll be honest, this has been more of a difficult year to get into the Christmas spirit. We got a lovely Thanksgiving present known as COVID-19. Um, it made us super grateful uh, over Thanksgiving. And so all of our Christmas traditions and habits got pushed back, and we've not been able to do some of them. And so I'll be honest, this was one of those years where it just, it was difficult to get in the mode. It just felt like I, I didn't feel like I felt in past years, and it felt like I should feel. And so it even made even thinking about this moment difficult. And, and, and for some of you, that's something you can relate to, hopefully not the COVID piece, but the emotional piece. See, what I've discovered over the years is that though we sing the song, it's the most wonderful time of year. For many people, this is like the least wonderful time of year. 
It's a season that produces really intense emotions, like loneliness. This Christmas, some of you here, some of you watching online, you're not with the people you want to be with. Those who you were hoping would be here are not here. And you're more isolated than you'd like to be. Especially around a time that everybody's talking about the beauty of sharing things. Uh, For others of you, this season brings up past memories of sadness, of, of loss, of grief. I was scrolling through my Instagram feed tonight, and I remembered that tonight is the birthday of a great friend of ours who passed away five years ago. And his daughters were posting about missing their dad on, on Christmas Eve. Others of you are, are realizing that, that one of the hard things about Christmas is that we put unattainable expectations on this day. And so for many of us, the, the reality is disappointment. This season just feels like it never lives up to, or it never seems to get to where you hoped it would be. And, and what happens each year, and this is the only time it happens all year long, we live in a crazy, fast-paced, busy, frenetic culture. But the next week is the only time that I know of, all year long, that we actually hit the pause button, stop. What I've found is that the next few days between Christmas and New Year's are some of the slowest and quietest days for many people. And for some of you, that's the worst news in the world. Because you don't like to stop. You don't like quiet. And all of that noise serves as an ability to be distracted by and ignore some really loud things. You may discover this week that silence can be really loud. And over the next few days, maybe beginning today, I want to encourage you to reflect on the meaning of Christmas. What is this all about? Why did Jesus come? And what does it mean for you? And so tonight, with the time that I have, I want to share with you three reflections about the light of Christmas. Because light plays a part of so much of the Christmas experience. And so the first piece— of this, reminders about the light of Christmas, is this, that God's light pushes back the darkness at Christmas. You know that darkness has been part of the Christmas experience from the very beginning. If you go back 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah prophesied when he would come and how he would be born, and darkness was a part of that story. In Isaiah 9-2, the prophet says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. So if you're living in darkness and facing darkness this year, you're not alone. He goes on to say, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. From 700 years before till the moment when Jesus came, it was a dark time. And over the last couple years, we've all seen the darkness of our world. We've seen things come out of people that we thought we knew that were incredibly dark. We've seen relationships that we thought we could count on be torn apart. We've seen things we thought we could lean on or count on be shaken or fractured or taken away. 
And in the midst of all that, Jesus comes at Christmas in the midst of our darkness, and he introduces his light. In John 1, the, the close friend of Jesus says, In him, that's Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. The truth about Christmas is that God meets us in the darkness. And so if you've at all felt the the darkness or the difficulty of the season, if you've felt discouragement or despair during this time, I'm sorry. And I know it's hard sometimes to be in a place emotionally or mentally and You feel like you're the only one. Maybe you don't feel free to be honest about where you are, but I just want to encourage you today with a little bit of good news that sometimes it's in our darkest moments that we find God most present with us. Sometimes it's when those emotions are so strong and overwhelming that we find God showing up and meeting us in the midst of that. And, and God didn't just look at the darkness from afar and go, oh, that's a problem, I'll send somebody else. No, he came himself, and he meets us in that darkness. And because of that, he's well acquainted with the darkness that we may face. Author Nancy DeMoss Wolgamuth, which is a bit of a mouthful for a name, I'm glad it's not my name. Um, she's a brilliant writer, and here's what she said about the experience of Jesus. She said, Jesus took on our human weaknesses, our frailties, and our limitations. The one who never sleeps became tired. The creator of oceans of water became thirsty. The one who fed his people with manna in the wilderness, he became hungry. The one who flung the stars into space slept under the stars. The one who inhabited heaven's ivory palaces was born into a borrowed cattle shed. The omniscient, all-knowing God had to learn how to walk and talk. The eternal word of God had to learn how to read. The helper of his people became helpless and dependent, and the beloved son of God became the rejected son of man. And, and so I just want to encourage you today with this reminder that if there is an experience you're going through today that is hard or difficult or overwhelming, Jesus knows what those feelings are like. And he meets you in the middle of them, And because he is with you in them, they don't have to overcome you. The second reminder I want to talk about tonight is that the light of Christmas is for everyone. So many things in our world and our culture have become kind of fractured and tribalized. If you're at a Christmas gathering this week, you may find some people talking about a TV show or an app on their phone or a a movie or some sort of game, and you're like, I am totally lost. I have no idea what that is. You know, there was an era where there were three TV shows. Everybody watched the same thing. We all knew the same water cooler conversations. But our world is, is different now. It seems like nothing is really for everyone. But, but Jesus coming at Christmas is for everyone. His close friend John, writing his biography later in John chapter 1, said these words. John, the Baptist, came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Jesus was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. One of the hard things about this season is an F word. Family. 
And some of the most difficult pieces of Christmas come from family. Part of the reason some of you may struggle with Christmas is your family. And if you have at all experienced rejection and a lack of acceptance and love from your family, I just want you to know Jesus knows that too. Those people he came to help and save, they rejected him. And when Jesus showed up and he meets us in our darkness, he knows exactly what we're going through and how we feel. I I have a favorite Christmas song. It's Oh Holy Night. You don't have to agree with me if you're an eggnog person and you hate Oh Holy Night too. You're just two for two tonight. But I think this song is amazing. I I can't sing. Uh, My dad's a, a singer. My mom's a singer. I'm a talker. I'm not a singer. But I love the lyrics of Oh Holy Night, and I love listening to other people who God has given that gift to. And in the first verse of Oh Holy Night, there are these brilliant lyrics. I'm going to say them, not sing them. You're going to be thanking me for that later. Jake will do a great job with it. The, The stars are brightly shining, the writer says. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared And the soul felt its worth. The writer there is indicating that when Jesus comes at Christmas, it is a statement about the worth and value of each and every person. And I think this is really important because what I have found in my own experience at Christmas is so often at Christmas I am looking for something or someone to fill a part of my soul. Years ago, I heard a, a comic do a bit where he talked about that forever empty. That space inside all of us that we try to ignore and run away from. He jokingly said that this is the reason why everyone texts while they drive. Because we can't stand to face or hear that. But when we come to Christmas and we look in the manger of Jesus we hear this message loud and clear that we matter. And what Jesus comes to do is to fill a place in our heart and our soul that cannot be filled by anything else. You may have a bunch of presents underneath your tree at home. Maybe you'll be one of those lucky ones that wakes up tomorrow morning and there's a car in the driveway with a red bow on that. Wouldn't that be nice? You may have somebody coming that you've wanted to be there all year long. But it doesn't matter the presence or the cars or the people. They can't fill this thing. Each year we get advertised, this new thing will really satisfy you. This is, I can't tell you how many uh, phones I've been on. This is my newest iPhone. But it didn't fill this. And just in case you don't have an iPhone, you have an Android. An Android won't fill that place either. Nothing will except for Jesus. Because he designed your heart in such a way that only he can bring it true and lasting peace. Some of you are like, Scott, uh, that's great. But there are some things in my past that disqualify me. There are some things that have happened to me or that I have done that rule me out. And as Mr. Andy Stanley says here on the screens, if Jesus feared guilt by association, there would be no Christmas. 
Because before Jesus came, he knew everything about you. All those things that you hope one day that no one will ever figure out, those secrets you're hoping to take to your grave. What's your little secret? He knows. Jesus knows you better than everyone else. And he loves you more than everyone else. And his light at Christmas is for you. No caveats, no buts, nobody left out. The third reminder I want to tell you this year is that God's light invites us into a relationship with him. It isn't just a light on a Christmas tree that we admire. It isn't a light on a wall that displays a beautiful image. It isn't just a candlelight that brings light to a dark room. His light is an invitation to a real and personal relationship. Back in John 1, John writes, But to all who did receive Jesus— He gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. See, the beautiful thing about Christmas is it isn't just remembering an event that happened a long time ago. It is remembering a relationship that is available to us each and every day. And when Jesus came at Christmas, it wasn't just to fix a global problem. It was to mend an individual relationship between him and you. And he invites us into a relationship with him. Now, now, some of you, this, this moment we're a part of right now, it may be the moment that your Christmas experience starts every year. Maybe, maybe you've been going to Christmas Eve services your whole life because you've been born into a family that just did this, and so you kind of picked up that pattern. Well, you may have been born into a family that, that went to church on Christmas Eve, but I want to encourage you that no one is born into God's family. No one is just magically at birth a part of God's family. Because we are separated from God and out of relationship with him from the very beginning. And that's why he came at Christmas. He came that we might begin to be part of his family, that we might be adopted into his family. Because all of God's children are adopted in. And there is space in this family for everyone. This family is not like the family you were born into the imperfect family you were born into. This family is one in which once you are accepted, you are never rejected. This is a family you don't have to perform to earn your way into. In fact, it is your lack of performance that opens the door for you to be part of this family. And your guarantee for what this family is like with God has nothing to do with you and has to all do with him. And he came that you might be part of his family when you didn't even know you needed him. And so I want to encourage you tonight that you have some invitations waiting for you. Tonight, you are invited to be part of a family that you can never lose. You're invited to accept a love that you can't earn or deserve. You're invited to receive a peace that passes all understanding 
that can be with you no matter what your circumstances. And this Christmas, you're invited to receive a light that can transform the darkness that you've known so well. That's what this Christmas is all about. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for coming at Christmas. We thank you that you came for us when we didn't even know that we needed you. And we thank you that you didn't just stay at a distance and begin to work on the things that were causing us problems, but you came yourself to be the answer to our deepest needs. You took on human flesh and you know exactly what we're feeling right now. So we thank you for the message of that baby in the manger, that we are not alone and that we matter to you. Tonight, Jesus, I pray for everyone in this room who's in a a, a season of darkness. Maybe that is depression, anxiety, despair, a negative or stressful circumstance that is pressing them to their wits end. Maybe they're they're thinking or considering some dark thoughts. And I pray that they would heed the words of, of your word, that they matter to you, that you came for them and that they are not alone. For those who are here who've, who've been maybe in a season where they felt far from you, or maybe they feel far from you right now, I pray that they would know that if you can come from heaven to earth, you can make it to wherever they are. If there's some people who are here tonight or watching online who feel unworthy of the love you've given them, I pray that they would allow the message of Christmas to be the final statement on their worth and value. If you're here tonight or you're watching online and you have felt God stirring in your heart, you felt God drawing you to him and and you're thinking or considering, what do I do next? This could be your moment to move from darkness to light, to open up your life and to let Jesus transform you, to embrace the love he has and the grace he's made possible for you. And if that's you, you're here in this room, I would love to pray with you. I'd love to know who you are with everybody's eyes closed. I'd love to invite you to raise your hand so I can see it. I'd love to pray with you. If that's you, you can just pray this simple prayer right along with me. Jesus, I need you. I am so tired of walking in darkness. I want to walk in light. So today I open up my life and I invite you in. Take and make my life your home, Jesus. I need your love. I need your mercy and grace. I need your forgiveness for my sins and the mess I've made in the past. Jesus, I don't feel worthy, but you say I'm worthy. I don't feel like I'm enough, but Jesus, I want to believe that Thank you for coming for me, Jesus. 
tonight I give my life to you. 